That's I'm nice. gonna go deep. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to people. Inspiring people. People. Hello, you're listening to the podcast People Inspiring People. I'm your host, Pip. This is inspired by Mini Driver's Mini Questions, a podcast which I adore and which I implore you to listen to. Mini asks um, questions which she's taken from Proust's questionnaire. I want to use this space to present a similar format, also utilizing some of Proust's questions, but to interview some of the more everyday, ordinary, yet extraordinary individuals who I have met and will meet in the future. I think that meaning in life is generated by us as individuals and by our interactions and intersections with different people and communities in the world. I think inspiration, something which is vast and esoteric, can come from anyone, from all walks of life. It can be humbling and surprising. It can bring solidarity. The more people we can relate to, not necessarily always like, but at least contently sympathize with or try to understand, the more peace we can perhaps enjoy. Today's guest is Tim Vincent Smith. Uh, he is the inventor of the Piano Drome, which is an amphitheater made entirely out of pianos. Um, he is a musician playing piano and violin and viola and vocals and all sorts of bits and bobs. He plays in the band Sync, which is the house band for Piano Drum. That's Sync with an exclamation mark for the I. Um, and also, as of last year, he was a playwright, which um, he wrote a play called Playing Beethoven, which I saw during the Fringe. So if you can ever come to the Edinburgh Fringe, please do check out the Piano Drum. Um, I've known Tim for a couple of years now, and he's been a very, very good friend. He's a luminary of sorts in the community surrounding the piano drum and a creative force to be reckoned with. Um, um, and I hope that okay. you enjoy the conversation that we had today. Hi, Pip. What did you have for breakfast today? I don't usually have much for breakfast other than a cup of coffee. And um, actually, Megan, my wife, made me a coffee this morning and she left it on the side. And there must have been a bit of milk that had kind of spilled over, perhaps the milk was boiled over in the microwave and, and that had stuck the coffee to the counter. So when I tried to pick up <laughs> my morning coffee, it was stuck fast to the counter. And um, I managed to get it off without spilling it everywhere. But my boys thought it was totally hilarious, the idea that if the coffee popped <laughs> off, off the counter, it would just, I would just chuck the hot cup of coffee in my face. Is it coffee by itself for breakfast? Yeah, just a coffee, just a milky coffee for breakfast, mm. usually. Okay, great. And I sometimes I have... Uh, I usually wait like an hour. Do you, for yeah. the coffee, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> but after the hour is gone, you, you just make coffee every hour on the hour <laughs> for anybody who will drink it. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm here, my experience. when I'm hanging out with you guys. Yes, okay. Um, um, did you, what was the first thing you ate today? Um... <clears throat> This is just sort of a sound check question, but it's kind of interesting to... Well, I often just... If I do have any breakfast, it tends to be what the kids and Meg have left behind. Because... Um, um, but scavenge. did I eat anything? Yeah, I just scavenged for breakfast, really, just so as not to waste the kind of soggy cornflakes and the and the cold toast half-eaten <laughs> bagel. 
I yeah. wonder if that's just a dad thing. It might scavenge. be a dad thing. I had a biscuit when I got here, and then, well, we had that nice omelette for lunch. Does it? Oh, yeah. Goodness. Semi-fasted scavenging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, great. That was just a sound check question, but I mean, I'll keep it in because it's sometimes like... That's probably the most um, the interesting idea. and informative thing I'm going to say all day, so... Yeah, well... <laughs> That's the thing, it depends on your perspective. That's the kind of the idea of this podcast was like to have these sort of mundane things in there so some people might feel a bit less alone in their strange um, Mm. if that is strange. Who are you and where are you from? I am Tim. I'm from the universe. Uh, I was born in Horsham down in West Sussex and then... uh, Which universe? This one. Okay. Good to know. Are there others? Not that I know of, but, you know, I've heard that they... I just wanted to check. By definition, (laughs) the universe is kind of everything. Yeah, that's true. But I guess there could be other universes. The universe is everything within this one segment of the multiverse. The multiverse, okay. It's from as far as I understand it. The metaverse. (laughs) (laughs) The Metaverse Chorus. Okay, where in England are you from? (laughs) (laughs) This England? Uh, Horsham, (laughs) uh, which is uh, just south of Gatwick Airport. And, uh, well, actually, Christ's Hospital uh, was a school, is a school, uh, where my father was a teacher um, until he retired 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, the school um, was called Christ's Hospital. It still is called Christ's Hospital. Wow. And it was founded in the 16th century um, by King Edward the Fifth. I don't know. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it was in London at the time. Um, but then, uh, you know, the rents got too high, so they moved it brick for brick down to a, a kind of... The school itself, yeah, Good to Lord. a site in uh, near near Horsham in Sussex, and it was a sort of very lovely um, kind of leafy, lots of good trees for climbing and lots of uh, space for cycling around. It was a great place to uh, to. It was a sort of idyllic place mm-hmm. to be uh, to be a young kid. Yeah, I think that says something when you, when you grow up and it changes a person's character depending on the sort of scenery you grew up in and I think sometimes you can sort of notice when someone's grown up around more nature and someone do you know what I mean yeah uh, nature we being were, countryside I had no idea of course at the time how lucky we were but we had a big garden with trees in it I built a tree house and slept in the tree house for one summer and I remember it was 1986 because there was a big storm that blew down a lot of the trees and I had had been sleeping in the in the treehouse until a couple of days before that October storm, and uh, then my pillow had gone mouldy, and so my mum said I had to come inside. And then and then a couple of days later, <laughs> there was this massive storm that blew down a lot of the trees on the estate. But and then outside of the big garden, we just went over a stile into the fields and just endless. I mean, as far as I was concerned, as a sort of eight-year-old kid these fields just went on forever. I mean, there was a boundary fence at some point, but I never got that far. Mm. So it was a sort of endless um, kind of bucolic idyll. I kind of, yeah, I I get the feeling because I grew up in in Wales and and, uh, in a farm and down a track surrounded by woods. And we had like 14 acres of land. So we just sort of like 
just it felt like I was in the middle of the woods all the time and <laughs> climbing trees and things. So it, I can kinda, see that. Yeah, yeah. Also, I get to relate to the sort of like endless feeling of <laughs> just, <laughs> it feels like you're in, well, the Shire or something. Or like <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's why I think it also, you know, whenever I've met someone, they're a bit sort of like they're slightly softer in character than the, sometimes I think it's partly because they've just had played, spent time with their imagination or something. But, um, but uh, what is your profession slash occupation? Uh, <laughs> good question. As the Queen used to say, what do you do? <laughs> and um, I don't know. I guess I'd ask her, well, what do you do? <laughs> what sort of a question is that to ask somebody? What, <laughs> what am I doing now? Well, I'm talking to you. You don't have to answer what, any What do question. I do when? You know, like, I find it a little bit of a confusing, not to say slightly intrusive question, but obviously when people ask me, I have to say something, and it's inappropriate to go through all of that nonsense, so I just say I'm an artist and a musician. Great. What, li- linking on from that, leading on from that, what is your obsession and or your mission? Um, and uh, I also lumped in hobby there, but you could... Um. Well, I seem to have got stuck in this kind of loop of pianos recently in the last five years. Um, and I guess you could say it was a, an obsession and a mission um, that I don't know the, the recently has been sort of framed as saving pianos um, but I don't think that's really the, the point as far as I'm concerned actually in, in all honesty I think the thing about it is not even saving the materials in the pianos in all honesty The thing is a sort of fascination with the sounds and the smells and the tactile sensations of all the bits of pianos and then the fun of like rearranging those bits and um, seeing what else you can come up with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's sort of like part and parcel of like creative process in some ways just finding bits and seeing what you can come up with yeah I think as in terms <laughs> of a mission and uh, what was the other thing obsession. obsession is 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 to find ways to be creative yeah mm. and with like this co- um, for a background because you maybe don't know Tim as well as I do um, Tim created the piano drum or it's his uh, brainchild <laughs> yeah. the piano drum which I mentioned in the last episode um, when we were talking to Mira and um, uh, I'll perhaps give a little intro spiel about that But um, <clears throat> we actually met pulling a piano apart Pip and I we were in the pit <laughs> in, uh, in Leith which is a sort of food market Valhalla type beer hall place and we were, we were um, leading up to installing the piano drum venue there for the fringe of 2019 and we had this event which was a live piano dissection and Pip was a volunteer who mm. just came up on stage and we were sort of miking up this piano as we pulled it apart and then <laughs> and then somebody started playing on another piano which wasn't being pulled apart and actually pretty nice baby grand piano that we brought in there started playing Bach um, prelude in C 
that that famous da 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 do you remember and then there was all this twang and I just started I just that joke just kept yeah. on going that was quite funny. like for half an hour I was just giggling every time <laughs> I remember the bar staff saying it was quite a dry day for them <laughs> 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 it, just, it, took a, it was a long day listening to that <laughs> um, and I, but then you, I remember also that's why I started calling you piano dad because you um, told me that we, I couldn't drink and pull apart pianos which is quite sensible to be fair oh right <laughs> I was yeah. like should we go with beer no yeah heavy lifting <laughs> Don't you dare. power tools and beer well I've just come back from the United States of America where the gas stations are also um, liquor stores and there seems to be a pretty lax attitude to drink driving right and, uh, that extends to um, that extends to like power tools and heavy lifting as well you know have a beer at lunch and then go and lift some pianos and chop some bits up I just mm-hmm. hope nobody squashes <laughs> themselves or cuts off one of their fingers oh fuck and uh, yeah okay In I really the... do hope that I'm I... touching wood yeah good lord but yeah, I guess I, I guess I have a, a slightly kind of dad sense of responsibility over, over and in and Scotland as well, where like we've seen the worst that can happen with alcohol, perhaps. Isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> okay, that was that's sort of the introductory questions. Sort of uh, tell people who you are, and then now we're on to the sort of Proust, slightly sort of deeper questions. Take it's all right breath. with you. You don't have to answer all the questions. There's We're going to go deep. <laughs> <laughs> deep. <laughs> Where? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay, so the first one's quite nice. Um, when and where were you happiest? Oh, well, I'll tell you what just popped into my mind, and I'm surprised by this, but I just there's a place in Greece on an island called Santorini which is a volcano which collapsed in on itself and the mm. sea came into the to the basin of the volcano in a couple of places and then about 60 years ago um, there was a, a, an eruption which which pushed up a kind of magma island overnight uh, like the, the population of the island went to sleep on this kind of crescent moon-shaped island they all went to sleep and then when they woke up there was a new island in the middle of the mm-hmm. basin and um, just on the northern tip of that island is a, a, a town called Ea which is a kind of higgledy-piggledy collection of, of um, houses that are kind of dug cave houses that are dug into the rock and then with kind of dome roofs whitewashed walls and 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 blue painted dome roofs Mm. and lots of churches every 10th building is a little church um where they have festivals you know year round with music and stew for everybody (laughs) and and very very loud badly amplified violin music which is almost unbearable (laughs) and um just down at the port um, by Amuthi where you can get uh, a Mythos cold beer and some deep fried keftedes, I think that's the word, sort of like tomato patties and stuff. I'll just delicious. 
you can go swimming there off off the off the end and it's very clear and very deep um very blue water mm. and the 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 sunbeams shooting down just make you feel like you're flying as you swim out to Ayos Nicolas the the island of St Nicholas where there's a little church actually on that island as well of course <laughs> and um yeah that for me is happiness mm. swimming water and sun yes and floating and yeah and then yeah maybe a beer afterwards i think that's one of the more universal things well i've only you know the second person i've interviewed but water also came quite uh, came in a couple times in in the happiness section <laughs> yeah um and i think there's something says about that perhaps feel like held by it or something like I don't know but also the fact that you're in such a beautiful <laughs> location with everyone's having a good time and yeah it's quite nice sweet I don't want to go there now I want to see this, this you must new island Santorini mm-hmm. oh goodness gracious me yeah I mean if you ever see a picture of Greece on a bus advertising it like 50-50 it's Santorini actually more like 80% chance it's Santorini that picture mm. It's like the picture postcard, Greece. Wow. But it really is actually that that incredible when you're there. Yeah. I think the Lonely Planet listed it as the second best sunset in the world. Did, did you go, <laughs> oh, wow. Good Lord. Yes or no? <laughs> second best. I it's hard to be sad there. Maybe let's just be just sort of like a... Well, you know, I managed. <laughs> <laughs> in a typical British fashion. <laughs> was this a solo holiday? Or is it like... Oh, no. I st- I, this, this was this was the, the closest thing, really, to the Piano Drum project that I was ever involved in prior to the Piano Drum was, uh, uh, was a, a community of friends set up a bookshop in in Santorini Island in Greece. It's called Atlantis Books, and it's still there actually. Um, that was you know, fifteen years ago, two thousand and four. We went, so it's coming on twenty years that that bookshop has been there. Um, but yeah, so I spent a, a, a glorious, magical year in in Ia setting up this this secondhand bookshop and and swimming. At Ayos Nicolas. Wow, that's amazing. It's yeah. almost like a yeah, a transitionary sort of like part of your life. But before, after, I'm guessing a lot of things, and then before. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, it was um, a turning point. Yeah, that's it. Okay, we'll move on. That's amazing. Second question is, what is the quality you like least about yourself? Well, I keep on looking at my face, <laughs> and uh, I'm getting old, it's not, it's not you know. So at the moment I'm kind of pretty down on the way that I look, but that's just that's just vanity, isn't it? Um, I'm what sure is the quality I like? You know, where do I start? Like, uh, you know, we're all our most, we're all our worst critics, aren't we? Yeah, especially if you're a creative individual. The I thing think. I hate most about myself is my negativity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just sort of blooms every now and again. <laughs> The catastrophizing. That would be a joke. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> you don't have to answer the question. <laughs> I have answered the question. You have, but like, Next yeah, question, please. Oh, okay, that's enough. Otherwise, that. I'll go into a spiral of catastrophizing. Oh, bless your cotton socks. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, though. 
Come on, let me off, Pip. Uh, Next question, yeah. please. <laughs> okay, what re- what relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? Well, I think my idea of love was was severely skewed by um, the film Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, with John Malkovich and Glenn Close and Michelle Pfeiffer and Uma Thurman, I watched that um, on repeat when I was a teenager, and wow. uh, and I think this this idea of the sort of um, you know unrequited passion and the kind of danger and the intrigue and this sort of big fr- frilly French costumes um, really sort of. Um, influenced my idea of what love is uh, at an early stage and also um, you know these very romantic ideas I was really as quite uh, yeah also as a teenager I was really into sort of Brahms the music of Brahms and this kind of unrequited love (laughs) that he had for Clara Schumann this yeah so so that was that was where I started out in my journey of love um but that all just you know obviously that's a load of nonsense and um i'm you know i'm it's also real as well i mean those those things you know the movie would be based on sort of something that the writer of that film is you know that's everything people write what they know so that's something something something's related well i feel sorry for that for that person and brahms is a real person so it's yeah so so but yeah now i'm you know married with kids and um that's uh, there's many different kinds of love you know uh, it's a and that's it's a thing that is different every day yeah and uh and it's it's a beautiful thing. I don't know. You say, like, what can I say? There's not really one definition. It's sort of it's an organic. No, I mean thing. I think that something my dad said um, uh, to me when I was, you know, in my twenties was I think I asked him the same question, mm. and he said, "Well, it's nice to find someone who'll put up with you." <laughs> And I, uh, bloody hell! And at the time, I was just <laughs> I like, mean, "Man, that is so depressing." You know, coming from the whole kind of dangerous liaisons idea of love. I've not seen that film, unfortunately. But, but the, uh, but the more I, you know, the more I, uh, the more the 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 older and wiser I get, the more I see the wisdom in those words. Yes, you know, people are infinitely varied and complex and. Um, you know, eventually, it's pretty hard to to um, to to um, coexist, and it's an enormously valuable thing to find somebody who is, you know, willing to just keep trying to to make things. To make things, to find the best in you, you know, mm. as as and somebody who who allows you to change and encourages you in the things that um, that you you're passionate about and you know commiserates with you when things fall apart. Yes, yeah, communication is, is a large. <laughs> Being able to talk to someone who that not the only puts up with you, but will also. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> puts up with you and will listen because there's 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 the putting up with you like a sibling yeah, no or i think my dad then. was even at the time he was exaggerating slightly For it's sure. a certain way of putting it isn't it but he's yeah. a bit of a wag my dad <laughs> <laughs> putting a sort of poetic sort of slant perhaps yes uh okay what question would you most like answered why am i here <laughs> <laughs> It. What is my purpose? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I mean, there's the classic, isn't it? There's the sort of uh, existential 101. Yeah, there's a copy of New Scientist magazine I have that that tackled these questions. I think it was the 25th anniversary of New Scientist magazine mm. that sort of went and tackled these questions. The biggies. The biggies, and um, of course, why am I here? And what, what, am, what is the reason for this? And I don't know. I mean, the, my favourite answer from that was, uh, I'm not here to answer your question, by the way. I, maybe I could ask, why, no, why do you want to know why are you here? <laughs> um, but uh, new, d- d- the, the, my favourite sort of response was that humans create meaning for themselves, and that is, that's that. <laughs> yes, Cause as if nothing... consciousness cannot be created or destroyed, and that... Um, in in creating meaning for ourselves we kind of partake of the the multiverse consciousness mm. it's like consciousness like consciousness is like a a flowing river and we just get in and out of that river as yeah. we create meaning or some such That's, yeah or sort of tap into a <clears throat> sort of oh God, what does it heard someone say the other day I can't remember who I was listening to, but as if you sort of, you yeah, you're sort of tuning into it like a radio, sort of or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Consciousness is sort of like a, a signal you're tuning into for a little while, and you. Sort yeah, of I really believe that but, actually. Uh, having having had a couple of kids, and wonderful my wonderful boys Oliver and Theo, and watching them as babies and seeing how their consciousness developed, and. Um, just I I have a sort of a armchair theory well I'm sitting in an armchair so it's a good moment to, to, <laughs> to put that out is that our brains are actually filters that 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 prevent us being blown away by reality and um, mm. you know as children those filters are not uh, you know particularly um, developed and so you know unmediated reality just is our kind of moment to moment experience as babies but then we learn to just shut stuff out and the older we get the more efficient we get at shutting out stuff until finally all we understand is what we want to understand we don't actually see and hear and touch and feel we even ignore the uh the 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 information of our senses uh, um and i think that um yeah to come back to the creativity um question the obsession is 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 i suppose i try to be childlike in my understanding of the world and um, children are of course 
extremely creative and we can learn adults can learn a great deal from children in that sense and Very I sure. try to um, take away those filters and try and experience consciousness and reality um, as much as I can which in a place like this ocean terminal shopping center is uh, is pretty much swimming upstream <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's difficult when you get some sort of forms of s some of your senses taken away <laughs> yeah like light like light um wow that's fascinating i mean i think you remind me of like something i read in like this timothy morton book called all art is ecological and um Right. I might be using it wrong, but it's something you called that sort of phenomenon tuning or something. You said it was like blocking things out and yeah. or like adjusting as you yes, yeah. get older to certain things. I think he called it, but like, you know, you can retune, I guess, <laughs> in different ways and take on different perspectives and be more, yeah. Yeah, Alan McGowan is a favourite uh, painter of mine. He does um, a lot of... Uh, uh, life model uh, paintings and in a very free style and he he talks about this in his in his books um, about about sort of trying to see beyond the veil of of you know the f see see without the filter um, just catch a glimpse and then try and get that down on a piece of paper in 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 colors and you know to fail to do that and then to keep failing doing that but just some you know to 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 recognize how difficult it is in fact to really connect with another human being or connect with your surroundings and and to 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 document um endless failed attempts at doing that in the hope that you might catch just a tiny glimpse of reality. I don't mm. know if that's making any sense. No, that makes sense. And, and Alan, if you're listening, apologies if I've totally misrepresented <laughs> you. <laughs> I think I get the, the, the idea that sort of, yeah, we're all, that's partly what we're all, well, not everyone is trying to do, but we're all trying to sort of like g gather a sort of better understanding of peripheral things <laughs> everything around us and sort of uh have a try and understand our relationship with with all of everything else <laughs> exactly as well as ourselves <laughs> uh goodness gracious deep <laughs> um what person place or experience has shaped you the most uh, my mother in the womb I don't know that's just a fatuous answer <laughs> isn't it really <laughs> your mother is not a bad answer here, but I mean literally physically yeah. shaped you into the form <laughs> that you are I mean you can also blame some of the sort of environment that you encountered after leaving the womb yes um, might have had some effect on your phenotypical <laughs> yeah I'm just wondering about uh, you know a single yeah, nothing springs to mind. I mean, we're changed by every experience. And to pick one out is is to kind of diminish all the others. Yeah. So, just life 
I guess is your answer. Just life. What was the question again? What, well, I guess that's quite... You don't really have to answer in any specific way or yeah. think that you have to answer. It's sort of interesting to ask people these lofty questions and see what comes out. Like, Mira answered the the what question would you most like answered by saying she doesn't have any question, yeah. question that she'd most like answered. She's completely big, content. <laughs> I think she said something like that. Anyway, it wasn't... The, the standard ones yes. so but the question five was what person place or experience has shaped you the most mm. um, if there is one I think your mother is quite a nice answer cause yeah that's like a lifelong relationship that continues to develop I suppose yeah thanks mum if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> thanks mum what would be your last meal should you be able to choose? Mm. Uh, well, I do like breakfast. I do like my coffee for breakfast. <laughs> I do sometimes go to bed just like wanting to get to sleep quickly so that I can wake up in time for my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And again, I also think about Greece and you know I was in Greece actually before I went to start this bookshop about uh, yeah I was I think sort of 18 or 19 um, after I finished school I went sort of hitchhiking around Europe and I ended up in Athens and I got on a boat out to the islands that's the first time I went to Santorini actually and I would just kind of walk um, on my own just around these islands and come to these deserted beaches and swim in the sea. And then, you know, I didn't have I didn't have any money, uh, uh, particularly just like was was surviving on a, a shoestring and, and sleeping rough kind of thing. But then so I think food just tasted that much better because it was in shorter supply mm. but but if you get just a loaf of fresh bread and a hunk of cheese and a tomato and <laughs> you eat it on the beach after a swim in the sun in Greece mm. that's sort of a fresh tomato that's that's the best that does sound good that's a very um <laughs> Not, not to sort of take away from that sort of like beautiful image, but like <laughs> just, uh, just to um, I remember seeing on Twitter once that uh, Stephen Fry sort of he posted two separate tweets on the same day. One was about some sort of political turmoil at the time or something like that, and then the other tweet was, "Don't you just there's nothing better than a cheese and tomato sandwich?" And, and <laughs> <laughs> he got more likes for the cheese and tomato sandwich tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it's like, he's like, I love you British people. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a, uh, one of his gags. Uh, I, I, uh, I, the f he's, he was talking about going on a walk. I stopped to pick a buttercup. Why anyone had left a buttock lying around, I don't know. And I smelled the fresh breeze and camemberts <laughs> that I had in my picnic camper. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. That's kind of kind of amazing that you opened a bookshop in Greece as well. That's sort of 
I mean, I've heard you mention this before, so maybe that's not why I'm like, wow, but like some people are going to be sort of blown away by that sort of, I wonder, the fact it's still going as well is quite miraculous. Yeah, I think that that it might be somewhat under threat, actually, because I've heard on the grapevine that um, somebody's bought the building and is redeveloping the top half and they say that the shop can stay in the in the downstairs but the upstairs is going to be turned into a surf shack and um it's maybe only a matter of time before they think "Ooh, we could really do with a bit more space to put these surfboards maybe <laughs> we could just kick those guys that are selling books out of the basement i don't i'm, I'm, I'm hopefully more not optimistic that because surfers are you know they're sort of within the bohemian sort of beatnik friendly um, True, maybe vibe. it's a match made in heaven. In fact, perhaps once you're when you're tired, a bit spaced out after surfing all day, <laughs> then you can read a book. That sounds delightful. And eat a cheese and tomato sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the best things in one place. That sounds amazing. Can you tell me something in your life that has grown out of a personal disaster? Yeah. If if you want to, it's. You Let me just think. There's both can you and, are you know, <laughs> are you willing to, but it's fine otherwise. Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'll let you think. <laughs> yeah, no, I have thought of something, but I don't know if I want to share it. Sorry, that's a bit of a duff answer for the last question, isn't no, it? No, it's all right. You don't have to answer any of the questions, really. I was listening to the radio in the U.S. of A. when I was there just just these last weeks, and I uh, just just cycling through the stations, and I found this old guy who's speaking like this, and he said, "Oh, the Lord saves us all, and if you haven't sinned, if you haven't suffered, then you can't be saved." Yeah. All oh, right. I don't know. Did you I don't know what I think about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's what came to mind. No, he's not under one. I suppose it's not what came to mind. Well, I mean, I guess it is what came to mind. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess actually something I would like to say is I, you know, I had a mental breakdown of sorts about four years ago, and. I think it was a result of really just, you know, a young family and then becoming the director of this piano drome entity, which just grew legs all over the place. And, um, you know, there was just too much going on in my life and I couldn't cope, but I had to just carry on coping because if you have kids, not coping isn't an option. And Hmm. uh, just there was a sort of uh, bunch of things that all came together at, at one time and and I just yeah as I say had a had a kind of breakdown of sorts and that that actually led to me just like um, just really trying to figure out what was going on for me like why uh, I had you know why why I was anxious and depressed and angry all the time and it actually led to me being classified as autistic and that knowledge has transformed my life 
Mm. Great. In a positive way. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, my relationships, the relationships that are important to me in my life, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my my co-director mm. um, at the piano drone, um, just the understanding that 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 classification brings to those relationships, and also just understanding myself, my own relationship with myself, having that understanding is just a, a, a really, you know, amazing and transformative thing, and. Yeah, I'm very lucky um, that that in Edinburgh we have a, 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 a service which is um, this place called Number Six, and they're sort of one-stop autism shop, and um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, it's up on up near Princess Street, um, and um, I uh, yeah through uh, through various means friends who'd been classified as autistic and uh, and a documentary film uh, a friend of mine was was the subject of a documentary film um about about his um about his piano playing actually in his life and his um but also about his his um his autism just kind of led me to to that place and they you know as soon as i started uh, as soon as i started talking to the folk there um it it was like a it was like a jigsaw falling into place it was just like oh yeah this is this is it you know Great. i didn't realize that i was that i was different you know because i suppose the basic assumption that everybody has a, you know that you have to have uh, you only have your own experience you you sort of assume that other people's experience is broadly similar to your own because what else is there and it was a really extraordinary re revelation that you know this feeling that I might that might not be the case that I've carried with me throughout my life was sort of valid there was like a reason for it mm. and that you know the 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 experiences that i had as a result of that you know i'm not alone in those experiences and those experiences can be to some extent explained and understood and accepted by myself and and the important people in my life uh yeah so that that has been a, a, an extraordinary change in the last couple of years mm. for me so it's interesting because like so it's in some sense it's like so the, the diagnosis of, of having all the autism is not the personal disaster the classification sort of, of that's, being that's autistic sort of the oh it's not diagnosis sorry well it's called autism spectrum disorder and yeah. I think that the disorder bit is just frankly insulting and I think the spectrum yeah. bit often gets misconstrued as a scale because yeah. you know people say oh well you know everybody's a bit <coughs> autistic or I know somebody who's really autistic and in at number six they just say no it's it's either you are or you aren't and you don't have autism you are autistic or not but I don't know maybe this is just yeah, me yeah. being no, 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 that's, autistic that and pedantic about no, nomenclature I, no, 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 that's, yeah. it's important for sure and um, to, to, to have the distinction I've definitely I mean my older brother is I always said mildly autistic but as like then that sort of like also <laughs> gives the idea that it's as if it's like 
uh, as if it's a scale as well. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're a number seven, <laughs> on the, or you know, um, but uh, but no, and it's interesting that like it, almost as if like the because like the question was saying like from a personal disaster, there's almost like this like feeling that you had before was disaster is the wrong word, but like that's like and then that's how you've grown from something because because you've been given this sort of clarity. disaster is exactly the right word. I mean, yeah, there, there was just an absolute kind of car crash pile-up of different relationships and different things, you know, and everything in my life just seemed to be falling apart. And uh, now it's not. You offered this clarity sort of thing. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful. And I'm sure there's, well, 100% positive, there's tons of people that can sort of relate to that sort of thing. Probably my brother as well, in some respects. He's probably not going to listen to this. But He's probably <laughs> not going to thank you for, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> for telling people on air that you... That's are, true. Have, Sorry. Have, uh, I haven't know, said his name. You have <laughs> made these assumptions about him, but then, of course, you know him better than anybody. He's your, your twin. No, it's not my twin. Not your twin. But... Um, probably won't listen to this anyway but yeah that's true I never thought about that probably well should. he's in good company you know yeah uh, Elon Musk and others um, and also I think 20 years ago it, there was it was thought that one in 400 people were autistic but now it's more like one in four or something mm. no it's about one in 80 at the moment but if, if the trend continues it may end up as one in four great it's, I like the fact that it's been, that for you it's framed as something because I think for a long time there was this because people didn't know so much about that sort of thing um, uh, people panicked about it as if it was some sort of disease or some, some obscene reaction if you get a vaccination you'll get this thing but it's not it's a, and then it's nice that it's people it's a neurotype are, yeah <clears throat> it's not yeah it's interesting it's nice that people are sort of finding solace in um how did you call it again? Not diagnosis. It was... Uh, classification. Classif- in the classification. Rather than finding it something that to be ashamed of, you know, because it's not sort of like um, uh, marginalised in society as much because it's sort of is more... Um, Accepted know. and understood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it, yeah. I was trying to think of a single word. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is nice. Good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Pip. High five. High five. (laughs) Uh, This podcast was created by me, Pip. All the music and sound design was also of my creation. Um, I got the idea from Mini Driver to use some of Proust's questions because I I really, really like these questions and I wanted to ask more people them for quite some time. I had a sort of hankering to do that. So um, again, I hope that I'm given the license to continue doing that once I release these. Um, I'm really grateful for Tim Vincent Smith having been my guest today. Um, One thing I looked up after this conversation, after listening to it again, was the little bookshop in Santorini, um, Atlantis Books. Uh, I found one blog saying that it's the prettiest bookshop in Greece and after looking at the pictures I really do have to concur and I really hope that I can visit the bookshop and buy a book one day and I hope that whoever you are listening um, will do the same Um, it's interesting sort of editing this and getting a new perspective each time Um, there's some things I missed in there some some 
answers from from Tim in this instance that I wish I'd sort of delved deeper on and I'm sure lots of people editing podcasts have that sort of hindsight sort of editing hindsight thing um but yeah I'm learning as we go and um hope to see you next time